So this morning's preach is on faithfulness, and um, Lucas has been doing a lot of preaches about uh, faith, and as we look at faithfulness today, keep that as an overarching truth, is that the Bible says that we as the righteous must live by faith. So faithfulness comes from the word faith, but we're not going to actually talk about faith today specifically. We're going to talk about faithfulness, and you're probably wondering how can we uh, separate that, but it's a, it's a foundation. So there's lots of layers to this preach, but I'm um, hopefully that Lucas has laid down this, uh, a foundation already about faith. We've got to trust in God and not trust in ourselves, and I think some of the words were coming through today. And then what Joe shared about now, there was, um, there was a prophetic word that came from Gavin, um, I'm actually going to use a story of Gavin's later as well. He doesn't even know it. Uh, that, and the, the other story of Gavin's actually is really central. So I feel like the, 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 the pregnancy I'm carrying in the Holy Spirit now, the pregnancy of the Word in my heart, um, about being responsive to him. But the word that Gavin brought, a different one, was about last week where he spoke about an attic, a dark place, and then this light shines there and reveals all the cobwebs and the areas where uh, life is lacking in our hearts and our lives. And um, that word is, is, I think it's over us. And I know we're winding down the year, and um, I know the Springboks won, which is, uh, um, which is wonderful. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, the word that Joe just said now is that the Lord has still got some deep stuff that actually we need to be sober-minded about. We actually need to look at it and go, the Lord hasn't finished with me this year. What does the Lord still have for me this year? And some of that stuff might be a little bit ana. Some of that stuff might be that little dark place that the Lord hasn't shone His lights on yet. And when the Lord does shine and He wants to shine His lights on that place, how are we going to respond and that's what I'm going to wrap in this idea of faithfulness. So uh, we're going to open with a, a tough scripture. And uh, Lucas has been talking around these uh, in this vein for the last while. You might have noticed it's been quite hectic messages, messages of great warning. And I feel like the Lord is still continuing with that, a letter of great a, a theme of great warning to us. So this is another one of the scriptures is Matthew 25, 45 to 51. And remember, today's preach is about faithfulness. So this is a, 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 a story from Jesus or a, um, a paragraph from Jesus that is talking about the faithful and wise servant. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And let that just sink in for your life. Are you, are you found right now? If Jesus had to come tomorrow or this afternoon, because Jesus can, just headlines, heads up, Jesus can come at any time. A lot has happened already that, you know, Israel's already got a nation that was a big prophecy in 1948. That's a big gone. Um, how much is still left? Many theologians would say that there's, there's, there's not much, if anything, left. Jesus could come at any time, and that's it. 
It's all over. This age is over. How will he find you now when he comes back? And this is what the scripture is saying. Will he find you in a place of faithfulness? Or will he come back and not find you in a place of faithfulness? And this, is, this scripture is warning us of what's at stake. And I feel like the, the, uh, Lucas, as the, the priest or the, or the messenger of this congregation, put a message on his heart. That, that there's an urgency in Lucas in terms of saying, guys, we need to be sober-minded about what's at stake. And what's at stake is the destiny of each one of our lives. To some degree, it's, yeah, I won't get on. Let me carry on now. So, Scripture. Truly I say to you, he will set, over, set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, try not let the word wicked freak you out too much. Like, okay, I could never be in that box, okay? Listen, what's wicked to the Lord is, could be different to what we think is wicked, yeah? Wicked is anything other than missing, wicked is missing the mark that God has set for your life. That's evil. That's short, falling short. So we need, to, we need to, don't just say, you know, wicked is Hitler. Wicked could be us. Wicked is, is falling short of faithfulness compared to, you know, for what he died on the cross for us. Let me not get ahead of myself here. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants. Remember, this is symbolic. I know, I, I know that none of you are beating your fellow servants. Um, but try to see what the symbolism is here. And eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And an hour he does not know. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now if you go to the waterfront, uh, there's a a, a, a causeway there that's been there for about more than 100 years, and it's got a bridge over it. But the bridge is too low for the sailing boats and yachts and everything to go through. So um, I think Murray and Roberts built it, um, or one of the big engineering companies. It's actually a big bridge that rotates to the side. It's a big white bridge with an arch. arch. Does anyone, anyone seen that bridge? It's fascinating. When you walk on it, it's got a little bit of flexibility on it, and you can, you know, it's a little bit dodgy. No, it's not. It's, um, it, it, you, it, looks, it looks solid. Um, now, there's actually an operator for that bridge because there's, no, there's, not, there's not sophisticated enough sensors to be able to sense here's a yacht coming. I better open that bridge that the yacht can come through. Remember, this bridge is too low through the causeway. It's how the yachts come through from the ocean into the, um, the marina. Now, imagine you were given that job of faithfulness. You need to sit in that little office, and when you see a yacht coming, you need to press the button, and the bridge, it's a pedestrian bridge, opens so that the yacht can come through. Everyone's wondering, what's the purpose of the bridge? Okay, it's, it's a pedestrian bridge. When it's, when it's open, no one can cross. When, when it's in place, pedestrians can walk over. So you are in charge, bear with me on this analogy, you're in charge of this job, and your boss says, every time you see the yacht, press the button, and you're like, sure, okay. So you're on your shift, maybe it's a four-hour shift, and, you, and you're there, and, and you know that you have to be faithful with this job. But imagine your boss comes back in three hours, and you haven't been faithful to press that button. And he looks at the cause bridge, and it's in place, and there's like yachts stuck there, there's people jumping out, they're throwing out life fests, there's about three or four 
yachts on top of each other. Some are like sinking. People are running everywhere. He's going to be pretty mad. Why didn't you press this button? Why were you not faithful with this job? And you're probably going to get fired. And this is a picture of what the scripture here says, that the Lord is calling us to a measure of faithfulness for what he died for, for you, and that when he comes back, the warning to us is that when he comes back, we should be committed to that path of faithfulness. And we're going to look at today, what what is that? Because I know all of you guys are saying, oh, but I want to be faithful. Tell me what I need to be faithful in. And what do you need to be faithful in? The question. And the, question, the, question, the, the answer is, you need to be faithful in your Christian walk. God has given you a walk with Him. He died for that walk, that you could have that Christian walk with Him. And where is my Christian walk? Where is your Christian walk? And, and, and let's look at that because we want to be faithful to it, but we don't want to do it through human effort. We want to do it the way that we started. We started with Jesus. The scriptures say that, he, that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So how does that work? How much is me and how much is God? Now the Calvinists will say, Calvinist theology will say that we have a zero to add. It's all God. Arminian teaching or Wesleyan teaching will say that we do have something to add. I'm preaching Arminian today, and if you or Wesleyan, and if you if you're wondering about that, Pentecostal churches and Charismatic churches are generally Arminian and Wesleyan, and Baptist churches and Anglican churches are generally Calvinistic. But there's truths to both. There's sides to both. So he has a Calvinist scripture, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. Everyone say, not by works. You're Calvinists. Is it true? Yes. Let's throw out an Armenian scripture, Philippians 2, 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Everyone say, work out your salvation. You are Armenian people. So which is it? So today, in uh, sticking with uh, uh, where we are as a stream, it's definitely Armenian. Andrew is definitely Armenian. But I remember clearly when Will used to be quite Calvinistic. And there's truth to both. But the reality is, and my personal, and I think this, I can argue this well, I think that we do have something to add. We do have something to add to our Christian walks. And we're going to today look at what is that portion that we need to add. Is everyone with me on this journey? Okay. So let's look at that, our Christian walk as an overview. And Lucas did it two weeks ago. It's one of the most comprehensive views of what your Christian walk looks like. And it's 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7. And Lucas did it with you guys two or three weeks ago. So here it is. 
There, that's the main scripture for today. And you can see it's immediately Armenian. For this very reason, make every effort. And we'll look at that a little bit later. To add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness. Godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. We can see that your walk starts with, on the left-hand side, one down. Your walk always starts with faith. You enter the kingdom not by works. You enter the kingdom by faith, by faith alone. Um, it is by faith that you are saved, not by works, so that no man may boast. We are, uh, if we confess, if, if we believe in our hearts, faith, and confess with your mouth, we're confessing that faith. As we baptize, we baptize someone, we say, um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Do you confess, do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes, I do. Do you believe he's God? Yes, I do. Have you put your full trust in Jesus that he has covered your sins? Have you asked his forgiveness? Yes, I do. Because of the confession of your faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We enter the kingdom by faith. So we can see there faith. Then the next thing it says is, add to your faith, goodness. Goodness, the, uh, the Greek word for goodness is, and I'm not going to go spend too much time on that, um, arate. It means moral excellence. What's the first thing that the Lord does when you enter into the kingdom? He starts to clean up your life. So I remember my first week. I, I used to see, uh, hopefully I don't shock you here, my son has heard this preach before. My son's sitting over there with my mom-in-law, uh, Auntie Louise. Um, she came for my preach. And, um, and the, the, this might shock you, but I, I was a full-blown heathen. I was a good sinner before I got saved when I was 18 years old. I, I, okay, so just, this might grieve some of you, but I'm just open now. I used to see how many F words I could put into one sentence. I know that's shocking you guys. But that's the first thing I noticed in the first week. I went, oh, the Lord doesn't like this. The Lord doesn't like me using this language. So I would say within the first week or two, that left my life. That fast. So we can see that goodness or moral excellence is starting to enter into my life. Um, there's many things that the Lord doesn't like, us, like in our lives, and he slowly starts to remove them. And they generally are things that hurt us if not always, hurt us and hurt others. He starts to take those things out of our lives. Things that hurt us. The next thing he did in week number two was, was cigarettes. And I went, he went, that thing can take you to hell. And I looked at that cigarette and I wanted it so bad because I was so addicted to nicotine. And I was also smoking pot, but it was actually cigarettes. It was worse for me. And he said, I don't want you, I don't want that foothold in your life. And I never smoked again, and that's been 30, 32 years, 33 years. What is the next thing that he started to touch? Sexual morality. What's the next thing he needs to touch? So he starts to work through, you can leave the scripture up. Um, um, he starts to work out goodness. And then goodness, what does he add to goodness? Knowledge. What do I start doing? I start reading the Bible. And I start reading, filling, it's, it's the, the Greek is uh, 
gnosis, which is just knowledge. I started to get more knowledge in my mind about how God works. And, I, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm hungry, and my, I'm learning so much about, uh, about God and His Word. And if you're not doing that, do it, because there it is there. You're supposed to be doing it. So I'm adding knowledge. And, and sometimes I'm jumping between the two. Uh, or the Lord's doing the one, and then he, He'll come back to the other. And to knowledge, self-control. So immediately, that, uh, the, uh, God doesn't want us to have anything that rules over us. That cigarette was ruling over me. So God somehow gave me the self-conviction and self-control that that thing wouldn't rule over me anymore. Genesis 4, 6 to 7 and this challenge went out from day one. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Sin desires to have us. And then the Lord says, but you must rule over it or you must master it. Self-control uh, gives you the ability to start to master these things, that they don't rule you, but you rule them. So the Lord wants to work self-control into us. What was um, Cain struggling with there? He was struggling with anger. He was struggling with anger. What happened? That anger wanted his heart. It, he, he, he became subservient to anger, and how was anger worked out? Murder. He murdered his brother. But the Lord wanted to deal with that thing, and he, he, he didn't allow self-control to work itself out that he could control his anger, and eventually his anger controlled him. Did he love Abel? He probably did. But the anger ruled over him, and he became a servant to the anger, and the anger worked itself out. And there's so many things in our lives, or potential things, or temptations, where sin wants to have its hold over us, but the Lord wants to give victory. Drug addicts. The Lord wants to give them victory, and that will come through self-control. What's the word? I control myself. And that part there is very Armenian, because we can't just say, well, God must do it. We've got a part to play in that. We've got to surrender our will to the Lord and respond to the Lord in that. And then after that perseverance, many of you guys know that, and there's many, many guys here that have been with the Lord for decades. If there's any facet of the Christian walk that's one of the most important, besides faith, and a few others, holiness and a few others, is perseverance. You just keep on going. You just keep on going, which is a, um, it's a, it's, it's a type of faith. Who just knows the Christian walk which is about just keep on going? Keep on swimming. Yeah? Just keep on swimming. That's from Dory. Every single one of us are Dorys. Just keep on swimming. Keep on swimming. Keep on. And Dory had to swim very far, and she was only a little fish. In fact, she was a, a tropical fish in the open ocean. This is like hectic. And we are like, sometimes like that, you know? But just keep on swimming. And then to perseverance, godliness. Now, godliness is not translated well, okay? I'm very confident about this. So, the, 
Um, let me find it. It's actually, the word is eusobia, the Greek. And it actually means devotion. Because if you read it there, it's, it's, it looks confusing because you see goodness in the line two and then you see godliness, which God in, goodness and godliness sound too close together. Godliness there is devotion, eusobia. And there are a few translations that translate it that, well, that way. The AEV, the CEV, and the NAB all translated devotion, which is more accurate. Our devotion to God must increase. And do you see it? Do you, are you more devoted to God than you were before? I, I definitely am. I mean, I used to think that I did God a favor by joining his kingdom. Now I realize, I mean, I just, I'm terrible. I'm so lucky to have God, you know? And so I've shifted. My devotion was like to myself. Now my devotion is slowly shifting towards him. I mean, we, we get saved for selfish reasons sometimes, but as long as we're in, you know? Some of us are in just for self-preservation, you know? A fire insurance. Oh, at least you're in, you know? But the Lord wants more than fire insurance. The Lord wants devotion. So we can see that devotion, and, and notice how devotion is coming more towards the end. It, it, it's, it's a more mature thing. We're less of ourselves, more of Him. We're, more worried, we're less worried about ourselves less, uh, and more concerned about Him. So we're moving towards um, uh, maturity now. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Philadelphia is the Greek word. Our love for our... And it's Philadelphia. It's philios. It comes from the word um, uh, Delphi. Okay, Philadelphia. Delphi means womb. We are of the same womb. And that womb is Christ. The Holy Spirit, we're born. So, so that, that brotherly kindness is not to the world. That brotherly kindness is Christian brothers and sisters. So our Christian brothers and sisters, because we're born of the same womb. I love my family members slightly more than I kind of, you know what I mean? I mean, it's natural, you know, blood. But we're blood in the Spirit. We're blood in the Spirit. So we, that's brothers and sisters. So our Christian Love for one another must be developed and developed well. Are you falling short? Are you falling short there? Because maybe the Lord wants to touch that. You know, I, I love Jesus, but, you know. And the Lord actually says maturity is Philadelphia, love, Christian love for brothers and sisters. And finally, to Christian love, Love, and the word there in Greek is agape, and we did agape. It's perfect love. And I, I, I preached about three weeks ago saying that love is the final destination. Perfect love, John Wesley would agree. Perfect love is our final destination, where we love man perfectly, and we love God perfectly. Other way around, where we love God perfectly, and Jesus says the other one is like it. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets and everything hang on those two things. Love, man, love God perfectly and love man perfectly. And you can see that's the final destination. And we're all working. And maybe we're at the end part and the Lord wants to touch something in the beginning. But there is your Christian walk there. Right there in one scripture. So that's the journey. Now, where does that journey Starts in this particular scripture, verse 5. Make every effort. Now that bothers me because whenever I see make every effort, it feels a little bit like human effort. 
And that's why we need to look at that scripture today. And that's my heart of this. And actually go, well, what does make every effort mean? And it's made up of three words. Spouden, para, and esphero in the Greek. So spouden, para, esphero. And that's broken down as make every effort. Some translations, the King James, the, NA, the, the New King James, NASB, Amplified, ASV, ERV, LSV, NHEB, YLT, all translate it, um, not as make every effort, they all translate it as diligence. Okay, so half the translations say make every effort, half the other translations uh, translated as diligence. What's another word for diligence? Faithfulness. What are we preaching about today? Faithfulness. So we need to be faithful, okay, to that. And that's what the Lord's coming back to. So when the Lord comes back, he's going to look at that and look at your life and go, are you on that journey or have you forsaken that journey? Have you left that journey or are you still committed to that journey? And he is doing that journey in you. And that should excite you this morning because you should go, I've got a plan and I've got a purpose, and there it is. Besides going to heaven. Besides going to heaven. I mean, that is the final destination, the greatest destination. Don't get me wrong. That's pretty much the thing. <laughs> okay? This life is passing. But right now we're dealing with that. Does that make sense? So... Those three words, Spartan, and this is, Gavin, you're going to have a story. I haven't even told you. It's your, it's your bus story where you're supposed to share with the, per, uh, the person at the bus stop, and then you hesitated, and then you turn around, and then by the time you get, can you be ready for that? Okay. See, uh, no, you're going to share it. But I want, I want you to see how hard it was. <laughs> see, it's flexible. See, it's modern flexibility. So Spartan is that first word there. Okay? Make every effort. Spartan is the first breakup in the Greek. Spartan is where the word we get from is speed. We need to be quick to respond to the, to the Lord. And we'll see here in John 11, 28, 29, the heart of Mary. After she had said this, so Martha comes to Mary. If we can go to two, uh, sorry, John 11, 28, 29. Um, Faith, there. So Martha, um, Martha, uh, Lazarus has just died. Martha, Jesus is coming, hopefully to sort out, fix the situation. And we pick it up there. And after she said this, that's Martha, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is, is here, she said, and is asking for you. The teacher is here. Everyone say the teacher is here. She said, and it's asking for you. And, say, and just say, and it's asking for me. And notice Mary's response here. When Mary heard this, she got up, spouted in, or she got up quickly and went to him. There needs to be a bit of spouting in our hearts, a, a responsiveness, not a, a lack of responsiveness. And for some of us, that's a challenge to us because we've lost our responsiveness to the Lord. The Lord calls us, asks for us, 
and we don't respond quick enough. So, so Gavin's going to take one for the team, because the, the Lord did ask him, and, and, and to make you feel better, I'm going to share a story where I also fell short. So <laughs> can you share that one? <laughs> so the Lord is asking Gavin to do something, and he didn't do it. But I, why I'm asking him to illustrate, it, this is hard. This is super hard. Will you share? So what I can remember, um, I was driving, and uh, you know, you, sometimes you're driving and you're kind of like not thinking of anything, and I, as I drove past, it was one of these My City bus stops, and there was a person at the My City bus stop. And as I drove past them, I felt like the Lord say, stop and go and speak to them, and tell them about me. And I carried on driving, and I was like, what, why, for what purpose, why? And then the Lord said to me, what if today is their last day? Suddenly, that, oh my word, came on me. And I, and I remember turning around at the circle, making a U-turn. And I'm thinking like, okay, now there's an urgency. And as I get there, the person gets onto the My City bus and off the bus goes. And I've like turned in and I've tried to park and everything. And, I, and off they go. And my heart just sunk in my chest, with that knowing, it's like, what if today was the last? And I just drove past. It's not easy. You know, when the Lord asks us, and we need to be quick to respond, and we don't respond in that moment, we miss it. And it's so easy to say that you're going to respond quickly, but the, the weird thing is it often catches you by surprise. Like Gavin was not expecting that. Um, I had a situation where I asked Donna, we had to go pick up this, this part uh, for my son's, for one of my son's toys. And, um, and we arrived there, and the first thing I noticed, yeah, yeah, is, um, is, is, well, it's a pre future present for him. And the first thing I arrived there, it's got incredible Google reviews, this guy. But the first thing I noticed is, and I'm in the hood, eh? It was out there in the hood. And so we first arrived there, and and first thing I noticed is not a business, a private house, a very neat-looking house and everything. And we, we parked there, and we're like, okay, what now? You know, I thought this was actually a business, but it's a, it's a residential property. And then the garage opens up, and there's this guy, Muslim guy, he's probably about 26 with a, his, what's that thing called? Kofia. There we go. And he's in a wheelchair, and he's super happy, and comes in, he's so super helpful. It was one of those Lucas's, you know, Lucas testimony moments, except I didn't end like Lucas normally ends. Um, I ended with Gavin. And <laughs> so as we're conversing, I just feel my heart, and I feel like, I think I must pray for him now, like for healing in Jesus' name. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the hood, okay? There's, co there's a coffee's. Kafir, there's kafir everywhere, and now I'm praying in Jesus' name. I did live in an Indonesian uh, nation, Indonesia, uh, in, a, in a Muslim nation, Indonesia, for eight years. I know what they do to Christians, and I'm like, I must, and I, I, I'm wrestling now, but I'm like, is this the Holy Spirit, is this not? And, I'm fe and, and because I'm not spouting, because I'm just, do it, just do it, like Nike, just do it. Because I don't just do it, and I think too much, and eventually the moment's lost, and then I drive away, and I'm having a, a, a coffee with uh, Douglas. Where's Douglas? At the back there. And Douglas goes, basically, you're Doffy. You should have done it. And I said, oh, no, I should have done it. But it's that hard. Why, why don't I, we need to quickly, like Mary, the master calls, 
you quickly. A speed, Spartan, there needs to be a, a, a quick response to uh, the Lord. What's the key to remember there? Not so much speed, because I know some people say that rush isn't of the devil. Rush is the devil. Not, that's not what the Lord's talking about. Speed is sometimes not good. Sometimes, you know, Lee Smith, Alden, PMO, says, play it late. Wait, wait, wait. We're not talking about that. We're talking about responsiveness. Are we responsive? Or are we just like dull? When the Holy Spirit comes, are we responding to the Holy Spirit? Or are we just, you know what, I I've, I've, I've haven't responded for so long to the Lord that I'm just used to not responding. And, and our hearts actually become hard. Are our hearts soft and responsive? That's what that word, Spartan, is actually talking about. When we're looking at make every effort, the next part of that is, or diligence, is, is para. And para is, you know, the Holy Spirit's called the parakletos. Someone is close to us. We need to be close. When, um, close to the Lord when we do this. This is not something someone had a, a, a prophetic word um, earlier about, uh, it was Tanya, about the, we can't do this. We need the Lord. We need to be close to the Lord in our walk. This is not something that we do far away from the Lord. This is something we do intimately close to the Lord. But our will, you know, I, I, I've said this many, many times. Um, one of my heroes, Evan Roberts, Welsh revivalist, used to cry, God, bend me. Is our will needs to be bent to the Lord's will because the Lord's wrestling with our will. He wants to do something in our lives and he wants to do something in us and through us. And the thing that is sometimes preventing that from happening is our will. It's not responsive enough to him and it's not easy. You know, he wants to deal with unforgiveness in your life. That's a classic one. There's, I would say every single person in this room has dealt with unforgiveness. It's hurt. You can't live on this earth and not deal with unforgiveness because people hurt us and we hurt people. When the Lord touches unforgiveness, how do we respond? Do we just go, oh yeah, no, they, deserve, they don't deserve forgiveness. You know what that is? That's not Spartan. That's not responsiveness. That's unresponsiveness. And then the Lord goes, I can't touch that cobweb in that dark attic. Because I'm shining my light there, but you're not responding. So the unforgiveness sits in our hearts for 10 years. And the Lord keeps on shining, but we're not responsive. We're not doing anything. We're not saying, God, and then we come up to the front here, and we, get, we confess it. I'm struggling with unforgiveness towards my husband or against my sister or this, my boss or this friend. And you confess it as a sin and I forgive them today because the Lord's shining it in this area and pray for me that I would be healed because this thing's been damaging my soul and my heart. So now I'm Spartan, I'm, re I'm responding. But we can't also do it not close to the Lord. In that moment, the Lord's providing grace because this is not by human effort. He's providing us the strength to forgive because some of this stuff is hard to forgive. But as we behold how much He forgave us on the cross, He forgave us a million bucks analogy but he's asking us to forgive 10 bucks. We go, yes, Lord, let me not be offensive to you. You forgave me everything, but I can't even forgive them a little thing. You gave me heaven, and I'm letting that little thing stand 
between me and heaven because your word says, if I do not forgive, you will not forgive me. The Lord is so strict on that thing. But are we responsible? Are we clean or are we carrying lots and lots of suitcases? You know that lady, rich lady that arrives at the hotel and she's got about 50 bags, you know, and there's like all the porters are running around. Sometimes that's what like, we like in life. We've got like 50 suitcases, you know. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But they're all baggage that weighs us down. And when the Lord shines on it, he wants us to get rid of that baggage. And the final part of that one there is Aspero. Um, and Aspero is having brought in. And uh, the, f- the famous theolo- theologian, um, let me find his quote here, Roger Olson, he said, the only contribution, now we're talking about our contribution, we're talking about Ar- Arminian, what do we bring? Roger Olson, brilliant. Baptist theologian, actually. The only contribution, this is to the walk, the only contribution humans make, get this, is non-resistance to grace or resistance to grace. You're either resisting His grace or you're yielding to His grace. That's your contribution. You're not doing anything else. He's doing everything. All you, all I've got to do is yield. We just have to go, God, he has the white flag. Have your way. I don't care about my pride and what I want. I'm yielding so that two, 1 Peter uh, two, one, 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7 can be outworked in my life. And the moment I start to not yield, his work stops. You know, when, when God shines his lights in one area and you say, not that area. His, his work stops. And he goes, but I want that area. And we go, no. And we run the Christian walk on our terms, not on God's terms. And then you wonder why we're called living sacrifices. Because <laughs> it's, I'm just getting burnt up. You know, he wants to touch everything eventually. The other thing, just coming back to power for a sec, is are you hearing his whisper? Because when I'm close to someone, I can hear the whisper. And God's word tends to be a whisper. He doesn't shout. He whispers. You've got to come close to hear his voice. And Jesus says, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. You, every one of us here, and if you're not, you can be today, become one of his sheep. By giving your life to Jesus and accepting his blood and accepting his sacrifice and his atonement for you. We can give that call in a moment. And you can become a sheep as well. But for the rest of us here that are his sheep already, this scripture was always an encouragement to me. Because whenever I doubted that I could hear the whisper, this scripture says I can hear his whisper. My sheep, hear my voice. You'll recognize Jesus. But are you close enough to hear the whisper? So, in conclusion, your responsiveness is your contribution. That's it. So, when we read make every effort, we can read faithfulness, diligence, but we can read responsiveness. Close to Him, we bring in. That's what the Greek says. We're, we're, we're saying, Lord, you know, the, the scripture I got earlier, um, 
someone mentioned it or came up as well. Um, Gavin as well. Gavin's a superstar this morning. He's not even preaching. Um, he said, you know, we're watching It's a Beth Run, and our eyes are there, and we're watching these other guys. And then he said, but we must fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So it's Jesus doing it. Jesus is working with me. There's nothing in Joey that can perfect my walk. There's nothing in me that can do this thing. But he's the master. And leaders around him given to us can help us along the journey to, to pinpoint, identify, or confirm what the Lord is already doing in our lives. But I need to yield to the work of Jesus in my life. We all need to yield to Jesus. For some of us, and, and, and maybe we can stand now just in responsiveness and we can um, ask the uh, worship team to come up. Is I feel like for some of us today, in light of the warning that has come out over the last month or two, you know, Lucas has been putting lots of warning signs to us saying, come on, guys. And... I remember one guy saying, but it feels like human effort. And I hopefully today's preach settles it. This is not human effort. This is responsiveness to his grace. Yeah? That God's grace is coming out to us this morning even. And that many of us need to actually recalibrate and actually say, either I, I, I'm, I'm not responding well, the Spartan area, I'm not quickly responding to the Lord. The Lord's telling me to do stuff, I'm not quickly responding. Or we're not close to God and hearing his whisper. And I go, I need prayer, I want to hear his whisper again. And for some of us, we're not even bringing our contribution. We're not even doing that thing. We're not even uh, in that walk. We're, we actually, and this, this scripture was from 1 Samuel 26 to 21, Saul was on this route. And he said, then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. This is when, when David could have killed Saul and had mercy on him. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And I felt, and don't take this harshly, but I've just preached the word. The Lord's saying that some of us may have played the fool. And we actually don't realize what's at stake. Listen, it's not just your walk. It's the walk of all of those that you will touch. We take people up with us and we take people down with us. Sometimes the Lord is looking at our lives and he's not seeing one life. He might be seeing a thousand lives. Your life will influence potentially a thousand people into, 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 into heaven. And because you're not being, you're not recalibrating, it's not just your life. For some of us, it's just our life and that thing there is enough in itself. And I would encourage you, if you are stuck in sin, it's offensive to the Lord and it could take you to hell. You know, I had that cigarette thing and the Lord warned me on day two, that cigarette can take you to hell. It's one little string or rope that the, that the devil can pull you in the wrong direction. And if you're not in that journey where you're going, the end goal being perfect love, love for brothers and sisters, holiness, all the good stuff in that scripture, that today you change your life and you actually say, God, I'm going to get back on track. Because I don't have to tell you, but I will tell you anyway, that this world has nothing to offer. It's all candy-coated dung. 
There's nothing good in this world, but the devil tries to sell this world to us every single day. But we are men and women, boys and girls of the Spirit. And we can't be caught up in civilian affairs. I think Lucas used that as well. That we need to say, I'm committed to this walk and I'm going to be responsive to the Lord. But most of all, as Evan Roberts cried out, Lord, bend me. How can I be more responsive to Jesus in my own life when he, he, he wants, there's so much He wants to do in our hearts. How responsive are we to Him?